From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. that you have joined us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 16 and 17. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, and not suffer sin upon him. Talebearing emits a threefold poison, for it injures the teller, the hearer, and the person concerning whom the tale is told. Whether the report be true or false, we are by this precept of God's word forbidden to spread it. The reputations of the Lord's people should be very precious in our sight, and we should count it shame to help the devil to dishonor the church and the name of the Lord. Some tongues need a bridle rather than a spur. Many glory in pulling down their brethren, as if thereby they raise themselves. Noah's wise sons cast a mantle over their father, and he who exposed him earned a fearful curse." We may ourselves one of these dark days need forbearance and silence from our brethren. Let us render it cheerfully to those who require it now. Be this our family rule and our personal bond. Speak evil of no man. The Holy Spirit, however, permits us to censure sin and prescribes the way in which we are to do it. It must be done by rebuking our brother to his face, not by railing behind his back. This course is manly, brotherly, Christ-like, and under God's blessing will be useful. Does the flesh shrink from it? Then we must lay the greater stress upon our conscience and keep ourselves to the work, lest by suffering sin upon our friend we become ourselves partakers of it. Hundreds have been saved from gross sins by the timely, wise, affectionate warnings of faithful ministers and brethren. Our Lord Jesus has set us a gracious example of how to deal with erring friends in his warning given to Peter, the prayer with which he preceded it, and the gentle way in which he bore with Peter's boastful denial that he needed such a caution.
In the midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864 2408 That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it.
As part of this series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Cairns will continue to deal with Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. As Dr. Cairns has shown, Paul is teaching here that it is by regeneration that the Holy Spirit brings us into vital union with Christ. Further, by this act, all who are born again are brought into union with all who are in Christ. No matter what differences in interpretation there may be, all who are genuinely born again are God's people and should look for the blessing of God in each other's lives. Also, as we've seen, God intends the church to function as a body, not as a bunch of individualists. Ultimately, it is our relationship to Christ that determines our relationship to every other believer. Now, Dr. Cairns continues this message called, Baptized by the Spirit into the Body of Christ. What peace it brings to a believer to know, I am not laboring for acceptance with God. I am not working to make God think better of me. I am not laboring to get a place in glory. I have all those things by virtue of the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ, to which there can be no addition. I now labor not in order to acceptance, but because of it. Sometimes human psychologists talk an awful lot of rubbish. Sometimes they stumble upon a segment of truth. Those who like to think themselves expert in child rearing are forever telling us, and if you're fool enough to go to all the seminars and child raising, well, you've more time to waste than I think. But uh, if you've done that, you'll find that they're fond of telling you that an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of acceptance, an atmosphere of unconditioned acceptance and love is the best atmosphere in which obedience and reciprocal love and respect will grow. There's a lot of truth in that. And I say that because that's how God deals with his children. Oh yes, he knows how to discipline disobedient children. But it's done with a father's love. God does not deal with Christians as many preachers would like you to believe. I've had more people come to me and say, I've been brought up under this kind of guilt preaching that God has saved me, but he's standing right at my shoulder and he's got a big stick in his hand and if I air the slightest hair's breadth right or left, he's about to clobber me over the head with it to get me back in line. My friend, let me tell you, we need to recognize that the grace of God and especially the work of the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the body of Christ has united us vitally and eternally to the Son of God. He accepts us. And because of that, we love Him. Because of that, 
we serve him. Because of that, we'll go any length and do anything that he would have us do. We're united to Jesus Christ. The second truth is that we are by this action of the Holy Spirit brought into vital unity with all others who are in Christ. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about. Now, I want simply to sum up the points of Paul's teaching here. First of all, there is a spiritual unity among all who are in Christ. There is a worldwide, universal church of the firstborn. Now that sounds a very simple statement. Believe it or not, when I make that, I am getting into an area of immense controversy. I'm not going to go into that controversy this morning. But I think that it is obvious that there is no denomination on earth, and there's certainly no local church on earth, that has in it all the people of God in the world at one given time. Across this world there are a people who are in Christ. And in the greatest sense, the body of Jesus Christ can never really be seen by the eye of man until the day that it's complete in glory. And we have a spiritual union with all who are in Christ. Now, <clears throat> I don't want to digress too much, but I think I need to say this, that there are many who are in Christ who, according to Scripture, by their disobedience and their compromise and their sin, have put themselves beyond the enjoyment of the fellowship that that unity should produce. And uh, therefore, I am called upon to separate from them. And the Church of Christ is called to separate from them with the view to getting them right with God again and into the fellowship. There is such a thing as separation. But let us realize that separation should never be the excuse for unwarranted, childish, selfish, sinful division among the people of God. I believe that God has his plan even in such a thing as denominations. You can argue that that's Certainly not the ideal. Well, I've got to deal with the real, not the ideal. And I do know that there are people who'll never be Presbyterians, and they'll be reached and blessed by Baptists. God bless the Baptists to bless them. There are people who will never be reached by Baptists, but they'll be reached by Presbyterians. There are people who'll be reached by Methodists who wouldn't be reached by either Baptists or Presbyterians. What I'm saying is this. That there is a basic undergirding unity among those who are in Christ. A spiritual unity. This has nothing to do with that monstrosity of organizational oneness that the World Council of Churches is seeking to produce under the visible headship of the Pope of Rome. Nothing to do with that monstrosity at all. There is a spiritual oneness, a kinship in Christ. And I would say to you this morning, 
And I trust that the Lord will help you to do this, that while you develop a loyalty to the particular branch of the cause of Christ in which he has placed you, never lose the ability to see the grace of God and the working of the Holy Ghost in other parts of the body of Christ. There is a spiritual unity among all who are believers in Christ. Second thing Paul teaches here is that this unity should find expression in the functioning of the church, and especially of the local church, in the service of her head. Now, the church of Jesus Christ does not function. Once you get this, because this is a neglected area of Bible truth. And dare I say it, as a foreigner in this country, this is a very neglected area, especially in America, where the greatness of the nation is built on the spirit of the individual, where the independence of the republic has been transferred into the idea that this must be God's way, therefore, in the church. I have no complaint about the individual expertise and the individualism of Americans in their business life and their political life. I have no complaint about those things. But brethren, let me say that the church of Jesus Christ is not made up of a bunch of individualists. The church of Jesus Christ does not function merely by the gifts of a few peculiarly talented people. No, the church of Jesus Christ is a body. And the body works by the operation of all its members. And the body is diseased insofar as any of those members are failing to work. Let's turn to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 16. A very difficult passage for most people to understand. For the simple reason that they don't take the time to let every single phrase sink in. But listen, from whom, that is from Christ the head, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Yes, a difficult text. Unusual language. Let me break it up into very, very simple truths. The whole body of Christ is fitted for service, not just a few of its parts. Again, the body is compacted. It is held together by that which every joint supplies. You know that in your own physical body. Every joint in your body supplies a vital power to hold the body together. And uh, as the body is held together by that which every joint supplies, the body depends on the proper working of every part. Now, you are not all noses in the body. You are not all ears and eyes or feet and thumbs and fingers. But you are all part of the body. 
Can I just say something in passing here? This is another reason, and I like to point these out from time to time, why every Christian should be personally identified with a local church. I remember pointing out that the Bible teaches every Christian should be subject to an oversight and to an eldership. You can't be if you're not in membership in any local church. Secondly, every Christian should be part of the body, not just an onlooker at the body. I'm not saying this particular body of believers, but that which God directs you to. But I say this, the body, the church, depends on the working of every part in its proper place. And only in this way can there be a healthy growth in the body. And only in this way can there be the joy of true Christian edification and love. Now listen, the unity that we have in Christ should be expressed in the functioning of the body in service. I really don't have time to follow this through in all its ramifications. Let me say this to you. I'm called of God to be a preacher. I wouldn't be a preacher for any other reason. You are not all called of God to be preachers. But I want to tell you, this church does not function by my preaching. All that should be a part of it. And as I read the New Testament, the preaching ministry is to be a very important part of it. But it's a sick church that thinks we can come together and just nod our heads and enjoy preaching on the Lord's Day without the church actually functioning together as one vital body. I'm going to be very honest with you. I was very much struck as I was reading the prophecy of Ezekiel. Not only struck, but I must say somewhat scared. For the Lord was talking to the prophet and he told him about his own ministry. He told him about a time when he would preach and the people would listen. The people would acquiesce. The people would praise. But listen to what he says, Ezekiel 33, 22, or 32. Lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words. And they do them not. An awful lot of preachers like that across America today. An awful lot of churches like that. There's a great message. It's like a, a lovely song. Does our hearts good. And I thank God for that. But listen men and women. It has to go further than that. It has to result 
in the united operation of the body of Christ. The work of this church is not merely you going your way and me going my way. The work of this church is not just your talents deployed as you like, where you like, when you like. But the spiritual ideal here is the pooling of all the talents in love for the head and in cooperation with all the others. In other words, God's work is not carried on just by a bunch of talented individuals. God's work must be carried on by his church. The body united together. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 